This is the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. Andy Payton is the lead pastor at Methodist Temple United Methodist Church in Evansville, Indiana. Randy Moore is associate pastor at Methodist Temple. Their goal is to see Christ in everything and everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm Randy Moore. It's good to have you with us again this week. And we have a first on the podcast this time. We have our first guest. Pastor Andy is on church business out of town today. And so we've got Jerry Raritan. And Jerry is uh, not only uh, one of us here at Methodist Temple, but he is a retired United Methodist pastor, and he's the development director at Wesselman Woods. And so I'm excited to have Jerry here and for us to converse about uh, the text that we're going to look at today. So Jerry, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you. Glad to, glad to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you. Um, what we do, Jerry, I know you've listened to the podcast, and we get this from Wesley, and we did this on our very first podcast, and we brought this up about how is it that your soul uh, prospers, how is it with your soul, because I am always reminded that every time I'm evaluated in any way in the Methodist Church, anytime I'm examined, one of the first questions is, how is it with your soul? And um, I, I really appreciate that about the church because I think they're sincere about it. Because I think they realize that if, uh, if a pastor's soul is not in pretty good shape, then th- that's not a good thing. And, um, and we can get sideways a little bit because of all the busyness. So it's a, good, it's a good place to start. So without putting you on the spot and having forewarned you, h- how is it with your soul and how, what's making your soul prosper these days? It's, I've always heard that phrase, and it feels like such a heavy question, you know, because it does put a little pressure on you, especially when I was a very active pastor. There's so many tasks to accomplish, and I'm a task-oriented person, so it, I always have to stop and say, well, probably not as good as it could be, <laughs> but today's been a good day. I've been walking in the woods a little bit on some business at Westman Woods. Uh, just spent a, a little bit of time with the uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, DEI committee, which is something I am pretty passionate about. And tonight I'm going to get to spend time because it's Pat Paul Dino every Wednesday night with <laughs> my two grandsons. So uh, today's a good day. Well, good. We'll get back to your family life and your and your work life and your retirement from the church life in, in just a little bit. And as far as my soul, I mentioned this last week. I've got a wedding that's coming up on Saturday, and I've been counseling this couple and I've done uh, many funerals since I've been here at Methodist Temple, a little bit more than a year. And I actually, uh, I'm blessed by doing funerals. People are surprised when they, under, when they hear that I have done a funeral. People are like, oh, that's sad. And of course it's sad, but it's good to be with people and to be there for people during those times. But, but this is my first wedding. And so it's, it's different. It's another situation where I can be with people and be with a family and, and be with a couple. Um, but it's, of course, in a different context. And so that's been good for my soul because anytime you stand in the glow of two people's love for one another, you, you just sort of are warmed by that. My favorite part of all the weddings I did was I'd always zero in and watch the groom's face <laughs> when the bride comes at the back of the church. Right. And that's yeah. always a blast. That's a bl- that. Yes, that's a blast, and that's in and of itself good, good for the soul. Okay. Well, Jerry, thank you for sharing. Um, what we've done with the podcast from the very beginning, the whole purpose is to reflect on the sermon from last Sunday. So many times 
Uh, we can go to church. We can hear an outstanding uh, sermon, be moved by it, and then sort of quickly move on with our lives and then get to the middle of the week and look back. And what was the sermon about? Even pastors can have that experience. I know, um, you know, you mentioned busyness. You get busy, you move on. Someone says, what you preach about today? And you have, we have, it takes a second to realize because you move on from it. And this gives us an opportunity to continue to process the message that was delivered on Sunday. And so that's what we've done. Uh, when we first got started, Andy was preaching mostly from the lectionary. And, um, and, and so you're looking at the text that was used for the sermon. And then you look forward to the sermon that's coming up in the, in, in the Sunday that's ahead. Uh, but for the last 10 weeks, we have been in the 25 Articles of Religion. Those are the articles that originated as the 39 articles in the Church of England. And then when the Methodist movement was growing in America, John Wesley took those 39, edited them down to 25, and, and they're a doctrinal standard uh, for the church. So they're very, very important. And so we've been going through them. They've been the basis for Pastor Andy's sermons. And we're all the way up to Article 10. And Article 10 is of good works, and I'll just read the definition of the article. It says, Although good works, which are the fruits of faith and follow after justification, cannot put away our sins or endure the severity of God's judgment, yet are they pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ and spring out of a true and lively faith, insomuch that by them a lively faith may be as evidently known as a tree is discerned by its fruit. And, Jerry, if you don't mind, I'll just let you respond to the article itself, and then we'll talk about the sermon that came out of it. Okay. Well, I think this series is ambitious by uh, Pastor Andy. Uh, John Wesley writes, uh, it's very much a stilted English kind of style, but he's finding a good way of bringing out and making them come alive because John Wesley's theology, I think, is so relevant for today. Uh, there's a lot of people ready to dismiss the church and to say it's irrelevant, but Methodism, I think, has got something that speaks to the heart, especially younger generations. It's very practical, pragmatic, and this is one that I think especially fits that case. Uh, really thought of some things hit home that Pastor Andy talked about. Absolutely, we're talking about good works, and of course, we sort of um, we sort of go wait, 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 wait a minute. This is a, we're not about good works as Christians. It's all about salvation by faith, and then you know the good works. We don't want to we don't want to try to earn our way into God's favor. However, as you said, this is the kind of thing I think will resonate with young people because, as the article itself says, this is what springs from that faith. And without that kind, without the good works, where is the faith? As you know, as as James would say. So yes, I think you've hit on it. We've even talked about that. You know, what are we going to do? Uh, how are we going to reach people who have? found that the church might not, well, not it's not might not, it is not for them um, because, and, and not to brush everybody with the same broad stroke, but the younger generation, it's my understanding, they want to be involved. They want to have meaning in what they, they do. They want to make a difference. And uh, for them, maybe they see uh, because of the the way we've looked at, at salvation by faith, that all that is is like checking the box and we're, we're good to go. We've punched our ticket to heaven and there's nothing to do after that. 
well, of course, that's just the beginning of the, this, this process. And so, yeah, I'm like you. Uh, I, I think this one is very good, and we can learn a lot from it. Pastor Andy then uh, took this, and he's, he, he has a really fine way of making the practical application of something that it's kind of hard to follow. As you say, it's, it's in an older English, and so just because of that, it's more difficult to understand. But he used this to talk about holiness, well, that's, that's sort of on the other end. That's like, yeah, we don't want to just be, rely on good works, but we certainly don't think that we are holy or want to be seen as someone who sees ourselves as being holy. But holiness was the thing for Wesley, or at least one of the things, don't you think? I would agree. Uh, that's a word that scares us today, mm-hmm. and especially might be one of the big reasons why younger people steer clear of the church because they fear that there's there's this negative connotation of all the things that you cannot do, and and so it just leaves them feeling like it. It's a place that's just trying to say that life can't not be joyful and fun, and and their spirituality is 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 hampered because they feel like it's all about rules. Yeah. Yeah, so holiness, um, you know, holiness would be set apart. God is holy. And then um, Pastor Andy even used this uh, text. And um, first of all, he used the text from Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then the one that really hit home was the one from Leviticus, of all places, 19, 2, uh, where we read, speak to all the congregation of the Israelites and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So God calls us to be holy as God is holy, but we're not to understand that, that we're to be holier than thou, but that we're on this road of sanctification, which is another u- word that we could use in connected to this article and connected to good works and connected to holiness, that we're growing toward becoming more like, in the Christian tradition, more like Christ every day. Yeah. Well, the part of the sermon that really spoke to me was where he talked about holiness can be looked at as being set apart from, which means all the things that you don't do because you're a Christian, uh, versus being set apart for that you're living into a, a lifestyle, living into a, a new understanding of the world and yourself that, that uh, you want to be a part of. it, And I think that it really spoke to me because my early Christian life very much was a, a, a faith of do's and don'ts. I mean, I grew up in a family, that very Methodist, you don't drink. But my parents would not even go to a restaurant that served alcohol. So we, we ate cafeterias all the time. <laughs> Um, and I, I just grew up with that, and, and I kind of kept that, even though mentally I didn't agree with it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd avoid drinking, and, and then I kind of realized when I was at a church in New Albany, which uh, is the tobacco capital of the world <laughs> in that Louisville, Kentucky area, uh, and there was the, the Bourbon Trail, you know, and I really I had people making their livelihoods. I mean, part of some of the funds that funded the church came right. from those sinful things. And I, I realized, you know, these are people. And if I'm just looking at my faith just from the vices, I'm kind of missing something. So I, I started letting go of that. I remember one of the most important things I started to do. We had a church basketball team. 
and I'd play church basketball with him. And then afterwards, we'd go to Steinert's Bar and Grill uh, in New Albany and get a, a pitcher of beer, and we'd talk. And I had some of the deepest, most meaningful conversations with them over beer. Even I didn't like beer, but I'd drink it <laughs> just to be part of the guys. But we had some really deep talks about their personal lives and stuff, and I realized, you know, this is what's living into mm-hmm. this kind of faith. That quit worrying about these do's and don'ts and, the, and avoiding those kind of things, and and just living into a deeper, more fulfilling love for everybody. And sometimes that means you got to do some of these things that in your mind is wrong and sinful, in order to be with someone where they are. So many of us grew up that way. I tell people when when I'm at a wedding, I said I was at a wedding this weekend. There will be dancing. But I probably won't dance because we didn't dance, you know, we didn't dance. There wasn't any drinking, there wasn't any dancing, there wasn't any chewing. I didn't have a problem with that, but, um, and so that's my excuse, you know, we didn't dance. I didn't grow up dancing because that was not really pro- really allowed. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, as Andy put it, it's that movement in our lives, and so many of us experience this in our own lives, that movement's from saying no to saying yes. Yeah, I I try now to say, I want my faith to be about how am I loving more? How can I love someone more? And especially people that might be hard to love, to find that deep reservoir. To me, that's that's the real meaning of faith, is, is find that living into. Uh, Jesus, as Andy talked about Sunday, he was crucified because he was willing to expand the boundaries beyond the elite, the people that had it all, quote, figured out mm-hmm. in their own minds. Yeah. Okay, let's leave it there because I know Pastor Andy wants to delve into this a little bit deeper because that's been our habit. He can't be here today. And so we'll return to this next week, even as we move on through these articles. But um, Jerry, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your path and, and your life. And I'd already mentioned that you're a retired United Methodist pastor and um, so, uh, first of all, you're not from Evansville. So, first of all, how did you arrive in Evansville and when? Okay. Well, I served as United Methodist pastor for 42 years. It was in five different places, starting Crawfordsville. Uh, spent 16 years in New Albany, which is where my kids grew up, and uh, ended up in the Indianapolis area. And my last charge was in Noblesville, Indiana, my last seven years of ministry there. But after getting through COVID and all the challenges, it was a congregation about 1,200 members. And so quite a bit of responsibilities and the challenges of trying to do worship and everything, both online and in person, and and especially the political challenges that seemed to arise during COVID just made preaching much more difficult. It's like, I think I've done my time. It's time to do something else. And being three hours away from all my children, uh, just said, I, I want to be a part of their lives more completely. So I happen to have two daughters here at Evansville, Kelsey Wright. She uh, works for EVSC. She's in administration, director of transformation there. Uh, and then my daughter, Janae, teaches fourth grade at Scott Elementary. And so they're, they're the primary reasons I'm, I'm here. We had, had a little bit of a um, fun thing going on because I have four children and my wife has four children. Mm-hmm. So when we looked, started looking at retirement, there was, was a little bit of debate about where we're going to end up. And so the joke was each of the kids would make a PowerPoint presentation sharing <laughs> why we should come to their city. Um, and with that 
fun thing. We just looked at all the pros and cons and just thought that with two daughters here, this made the most sense for us. And, and so that's how we ended up. Well, you mentioned your wife. Tell us a little bit uh, more about Nancy. Uh, Nancy <clears throat> taught uh, school. Uh, she was a teacher for 33 years at Floyd Central High School in the New Albany area. We met, met there. Um, she also has, after that retirement, she's been in the nonprofit world. She uh, worked at Starfish Initiative, which is an a organization that helped economically challenged youth, but academically promising, and helped mentor them on their way out of high school in order to, to get to college and uh, be successful in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's also worked as an interior designer, which means we spend a lot of money on our house. Um, and she's I found some work here. She's a standardized patient with the IU Medical School now. So she do, goes in and acts as a patient okay. and, and has to pretend she's got symptoms and so forth. And she's having some fun with that. So yeah, that would be fun. Okay, let's talk about your ministry. You said 42 years. You're now retired. What was it that drew you into ministry in the first place? Uh, it started in youth. I, I grew up with a mother who is schizophrenic. She's a paranoid schizophrenic. And uh, that created a lot of challenges. Uh, lived out in the country, so kind of a lonely life. Kind of had to raise myself in many ways. But one thing, my dad did make sure we got to church every week. And I experienced the grace of God through that church and congregation, and especially through a youth minister uh, that came. She was, a, um, <clears throat> you know, be a female pastor back in those days was pretty unique. She also happened to drive a motorcycle and a van. So us youth really loved her because she was kind of that radical, different person. But she loved radically, too. And her home was a place to receive us, uh, could deal with our problems. And, and I really found through a prayer circle, God became personal to me. God became real. Mm-hmm. And that was the start. And when I was looking at my career options as I was about to graduate from high school, I was probably looking at being a teacher. That was kind of my inclination. But I looked at her and saw that, she can be a pastor and be who she wants to be. Why can't I? So I made that decision in high school and went there ever since. Yeah. Well, well, there it is. Well, 42 years, and so we could talk about a lot of things. But as you look back, and we hit a couple of the high points. When you, when you do look back over those four decades, you know, what stands out to you? I would say working to, to make the church relevant. Part of my passion was to make sure I, I developed a church and adapted the church to be a place where my children and now my grandchildren want to go to. Uh, so I was a pretty early innovator with contemporary worship. One of the first people to do that using visual media and worship. Uh, that was probably a big thing. And then in my last congregation, we had a very unique situation. We had 120 acres north of about five miles north of the town where the church was, that was started and given to the church to be a spiritual retreat center. And it uh, had served that purpose for several years, but never really thrived in that purpose. And so I had an associate pastor who came back with the idea of converting a portion of it to an organic farm. And so we raised, uh, this year they're going to raise over 30,000 servings of food for Hamilton County Food Pantries. And had quite a bit to do with that and because I, I was the primary fundraiser for that to take it from scratch to be in self-funding in four years. And so we found lots of different revenue streams, uh, had to find some generous donors to help get it launched. And 
uh, that that works probably partly why I'm a, now a director of development at Westman Woods. Yeah, we're going to make that transition to that because it's such a natural fit. And um, you're literally, we're speaking about good works and you're creating these good, literally good fruits, you know, the, the creating food and, and so important uh, to really make it relevant, as you say, and, and meaningful. Um, before we get to Westman Woods, I did want to ask you because, you know, it's always nice when a pastor decides to make your church home, right? Not that, you know... It just is. And so you found uh, Methodist Temple as, as your church home here once you arrived in Evansville, where you, you, know, you weren't that familiar with Evansville. How, how did that happen? Well, <clears throat> late in my ministry, I, I was a very traditionalist, first in my understanding of special human sexuality. Uh, the Bible, I was a biblical literalist uh, until college. Um, and... I came to an understanding probably in the last 10 years of my ministry that uh, God has created all people and some people are not fitting our particular norms. And uh, so I became part of an organization that uh, was called Room for All Indiana. And we really worked passionately to make the United Methodist Church an inclusive place for all people. Mm-hmm. And um, so that became my first criteria when I moved here. Would I find a church that would be fully inclusive? Mm-hmm. And uh, it just so happened a good friend of mine is Joe Mitchell. We went to college together and went to seminary together. So he invited me. You know, I kind of thought I'd do some church shopping, but I came the first week and, and Andy's preaching was just so, I think Andy is the most authentic preacher I've ever heard, mm-hmm. uh, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just enjoy his sermons week after week. And, and so I, I found that home pretty quickly, and I've just been dedicated to it. And uh, and then you, you came on board about that same time I was coming here, and uh, so I've appreciated my friendship with you, and yeah. and I'm finding a lot of good people at Methodist Temple. Well, it's it's so good to have you, and you've been able to stay pretty much retired as a as a United Methodist retired pastor because that's hard for pastors to do to stay retired. Yeah, well. Uh, of course, I found something I could be passionate about at Westman Woods, and I get my weekends free. You know, <laughs> that is so nice to be able to not worry about what, what I'm doing on Saturday night. Uh, I can be with the kids when they're they're available. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been good. And, and I've, I've just deliberately said no. I, I've, I'll, every once in a while, I'll do something for Methodist Temple, but I, right. I don't want to get into this fill in the pulpit every week like sometimes I see pastors do. Right. Okay, let's talk about Westman Woods. Um, you know, I mentioned this in my very first sermon here. Um, I grew up uh, half a block from Westman Park. And, of course, um, when I was growing up in the, uh, in the early 60s, Westman Park wasn't even there. It was uh, Stockwell Woods. Um, it wasn't anything that was institution, you know, an institution of any kind. It was just Woods. And, but it was another playground of ours. And so it's, you know, I've always loved it. Uh, spent so much time over there and, and need to spend more time there now. But um, when I got to Methodist Temple, I said, that's one of the things I'd like to see is pay some attention to. Let's pay attention to the neighborhood and, and what's unique about the neighborhood and what's important about the neighborhood. And I always loved it. And I said, can we do something at Westman Woods and do something at Harper Elementary School? And they were already involved at, at, Harper, at Harper School. 
and uh, the Boy Scout troop here. I was a Boy Scout at, at Methodist Temple. And then the, the Little League Park over at uh, the Lloyd, the Van, or Division and Van at the time. But And so we did. We had a ministry and still have a ministry uh, to Wesselman Woods. It's such an impor- unique and important asset um, here in Evansville. I want you to talk about that generally, and we'll talk more specifically about some about the creation care aspects of it. But for those who might not know, talk about what a treasure those woods are. Well, Wesson Woods is the largest urban old-growth forest in the country. It's uh, we now managed with 310 acres. Old-growth portion of that's about 190 acres. And it sits right in the middle, the heart of Evansville. So that's what makes it so unique. You just don't find an ecosystem like this. It's got over 50 different species of trees in it. You'll find, uh, we had a dendrochronologist come in last summer and uh, he discovered one tree that's 325 years old. Uh, We know there's others that are older than that, but that's the one that you can core that hasn't started to hollow out. So we know that we can at least document that for sure. So it's just a unique uh, ecosystem, just a wonderful place. It's just within, we're within five miles of 12 of the 13 Title I schools in Evansville. So it's an easy thing for field trips. Uh, and, and the challenge we have in this world today is that we've gotten so urbanized, and many kids are so urbanized that uh, they never get into any woods, not just Wesselman Woods, but any woods. And so we're really working to try to make it accessible and available to all people, regardless of abilities, economic situation, or racial background. You said that to me one time where uh, a child visited with their school and commented that they had never been in any woods. That blew my mind. Yeah, well, when Methodist Temple decided to give a free membership to every student, teacher, staff member at Harper Elementary, since we could not get the information from EVSC to just process their family memberships, we had to go around and give vouchers to each of them. And Lindsay was making that presentation and she would just kind of get the kids started talking about the woods. So she'd just say, raise your hand if you've been, been in woods someplace, not Westman Woods, but any woods. And in every single classroom, there was at least four to five individuals who raised their hand, had never been in any woods. Wow, that's just hard to imagine. Yeah. 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 So it's been nice. It's been that this past year we've really worked to break that down. And we, we had field trips for every single student uh, at Harper Elementary. We went into the school. Uh, so every child had a chance to have some animal encounters and, and hear from our educators. And then we had a big family event co-sponsored by Methodist Temple. They got a lot of, lot of families out there. So, mm-hmm. Well, of course, a lot of work goes into preserving those woods, but we're, we're very fortunate that there were, as I understand it, really lucky circumstances that we ended up with those woods in the first place. Yeah, the first Caucasian settlers that crossed the Ohio River, they had a series of deaths in their family, and so they never got to farming it. And there was some kind of delay. The next family ended up owning it that was similar. And then by that time, you got to the Wabash Erie Canal, and they found that they could make money with that land, uh, just raising horses uh, in the area. And then by that time, Theodore Roosevelt was making that conservation movement across the United States, and so that's when the state of Indiana took it over, eventually gave it the city of Evansville. And then the Nature Preserve was started 51 years ago because they were discovering that deer population was so large 
that you go in those woods and there's nothing seven feet below. They just were eating everything and still many deer starving and that's when they knew they needed to start managing these woods if we wanted to be here for future generations. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the this creation care aspect to kind of connect it to, to the church because that's something that's been important to me and uh, I love it because, you know, I have an emotional connection to it and, and grew up there. But as a pastor and, and as a Christian and as someone who thinks about our creation and God's good creation, um, once again, it's a, it's a growing from one way of looking at it to another because one way that Christians looked at it uh, was that, uh, you know, we were given, you know, dominion over the earth and uh, we could subdue the earth. And um, that is, you, you eventually learn that is so wrong that this, this God's good gift of this creation is something that is precious and, and something that we need to be involved in preserving and, and, and maintaining. And that's going on. Uh, in a microcosm at, at Westman Woods. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that is a misunderstanding of the word dominion. Yeah. Because you think about dominion, a king, royalty was supposed to care for their kingdom and the people within it. So when we use that word dominion, it doesn't mean dominate. It means you need to care for all that. Yeah. And I would tell people we've got to care for creation because God has given it to us to take care of us. And if we don't take care of it, it will not take care of us. Uh, so it, it's, you know, and we're seeing the results of that now. Climate change, which is definitely taking place. We got evidence right there in Westman Woods of that taking place with the maple syrup tapping. Um, it, it's definitely a real thing. So here is some place right here, uh, and you can help do your part. Those trees are sequestering carbon, so it's cleaning our air. It's uh, taking harmful things out of out of our uh, breathing space, our airspace in this area, and we're surrounded by coal burning uh, energy uh, plants that need to be replaced. Uh, good luck, Center Point, with the, <laughs> all that you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's something people can do just by supporting Westman Woods. You're helping making sure that forest with all that it offers the environmental education the trees that are there uh, just the experience that the the calming effects that walking through those woods have on people will be there for future generations yeah and we would call that a religious experience right and my guess is that those children who had never been in woods once they got over maybe the initial shock of it that maybe that was a religious experience for them. It is for so many, nature is for so many people. I mean, it is for me. I have, um, when my first wife was sick, we were, uh, we read all these books and we were instructed to do, you know, to, to think about and to vision certain things and to get into a nice, calm, peaceful place. We were to remember one of our favorite places, a place that we loved and that, and that brought us that peace and that calm. And one of those for me was uh, a time I went into Hoosier National Forest and had the closest thing I've ever had to a mystical experience. It was in the fall and the leaves were changing and the air was so crisp and cool and uh, a breeze was blowing through there. And I just sat down to rest and then I just had this overwhelming sense of peace and presence right there. So that's not something you're actively promoting, I'm sure, at Westman Woods, but that, that's there, I mean, right? That's just yeah. built in because it is so pure over there, so untouched by mankind, uh, humankind, so to speak. Well, if anybody's ever gone to church camp, 
you know, they're always in woods settings, and there's something about that environment that helps create the presence of God for people, and we kind of take that for granted. So I, I think it's very real, I, there, and there's lots of documented evidence now about it has the ability to lower blood pressure. Yeah. Uh, Japan is way ahead of the United States on this because the land is so scarce there that they literally are doing measurements and, and acquiring data to show the mental benefits of just walking in natural settings. So, Okay. Well, as we wrap up this part of it, I, I would uh, fail if I didn't give you the opportunity to just to do a bit of a, a pitch for Wesselman Woods and, and membership in it and participation of the Woods. Well, it's simple. You can help many ways. We, we do have a Wednesday core crew on Wednesday morning, so if you want to get out and do some uh, trail work, uh, sometimes we do some invasive species work. Uh, that's that's an option for people to help. But simply, if just become a member, it's fifty dollars for a family membership, forty for a grandparent membership, and thirty five for an individual. Uh, that alone helps. But of course, it takes donations, grants. Only twenty three percent of our annual budget comes from a contract we have with the city. The rest we have to raise through bequests, grants, uh, large donations, and people's memberships. Okay. All right. Very good. Wesselman Woods, take advantage of that treasure right here in our own backyard. As we wrap this up this uh, on this session, we always look forward briefly to the sermon that's coming up on, on that Sunday. And I'm actually going to be preaching this Sunday. And so that means we'll be taking a break from the 25 Articles of Religion. And I'm going to the lectionary lesson, the gospel lesson uh, for this week in the calendar. And it's Matthew 20, 1 through 16. It's one of the great parables of, of Jesus. It's the parable of the laborers in the, in the vineyard. Uh, it's a well-known one, maybe not one of the most well-known, but um, it, it's a good one. I, I like it a lot. That's why I chose to preach on it. But it's when the vineyard owner, uh, it's harvest time, needs to get the grapes in and goes, uh, goes to the, where the day laborers wait for daily work. They don't have regular work. They come every morning waiting for the employers, for the, and in this case, this vineyard owner to come and to select them to go work in the vineyard. And he selected, he came and he selected a certain number in, in the morning and he kept coming back. He kept coming back several times through the day, picking up more workers, taking them into the vineyard to do the work that needed to be done until the point where it was five o'clock, one hour before quitting time, and he went back and hired even more workers. Then he calls the steward in and says, okay, let's, let's pay these folks, beginning with those who came last down to those who came first. We wouldn't have this parable if he paid the ones who came first and paid in order because they would get their day's wage and they would go home and they wouldn't know any better. But the landowner, the vineyard owner, pays those who came at five o'clock first and he pays them the same day wage that he agreed to pay those who came first. And of course, they grumbled. And the vineyard owner said, uh, why do you have an evil eye? Why is your eye evil? Because I'm generous. And so it's just a, it's just a wonderful parable. And what I'm going to, it's not finished yet, my sermon's not finished yet, but one of the things I'm going to do is, as I uh, was studying this parable, I kept coming back to the Lord's Prayer uh, because the Lord's Prayer says, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, this is one of those kingdom parables. Jesus says the kingdom is like this, and then he tells this parable. 
Well, if you're going to understand, if we are going to understand the New Testament, we're going to have to understand what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the kingdom, because that's mainly what he's about, at least in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The kingdom comes up rarely in the gospel of John. And all, all right from the start, we have a problem because for us, kingdom doesn't resonate, you know, that, that, that's just, you know, archaic to us. And so we have to understand what that is. And um, what it is uh, in the beginning is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of Rome. Um, Jesus has come to overturn that kingdom. So that that's part of it. And Jesus has come to initiate the kingdom. And we, we talk about a now, but not yet. So the kingdom is initiated, but it hasn't reached its, its fulfillment. So that's in there. The other thing is this thing about daily bread and from the, from the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, we can spiritualize that, and that's okay if we do, and see Jesus as the bread. But I think part of that, too, is, is the daily bread. Uh, what we're going to sustain ourselves with today. And that's what, that's what this landowner provides for these people that come who are, if they're not hired at five o'clock, they're going to go home. They're going to go home to a wife and children who are not going to eat that day. This is the generosity. This is the compassion of our God. So that in a nutshell is, uh, is the setup uh, for the sermon this week. Any thoughts? I'll be looking forward to see what you do with that, but it's 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 a great description of God's grace. You know, why should we? And it's a good follow up to holiness. This living uh, set apart. We're following following rules versus just glad that you can be a part of something that everybody that God wants everybody in there. You know. Yeah. It's good. All of those parables of Jesus are good. And that's one of the things that I think we have to adjust to as well, is that we don't relate to each other in parables. We may use a metaphor or a simile here and there, and we certainly do. But this is the way, at least again, for the synoptic gospels, this was the way Jesus communicated. And it also seems rather absurd to preach on a parable because the parable itself is a message delivery system. So it should be, it should be delivering the message on its own. Of course, because it is um, ancient, and um, the references have to be uh, defined because we don't have the same Those references. That's historical context becomes yep. invaluable to understand them and, right. and, and grasp what Jesus was trying to share then. Yeah, so that's what we'll be dealing with this Sunday. And you're welcome to join us here in person. You can join us virtually. Uh, you are more than welcome to come and be a part of our community, whether it be uh, through, the, through the virtual worship service or to join us here in person. And we're so appreciative that you've taken the time to listen to our podcast Thank you so much. I hope you have a great week. And Jerry, I want to thank you for filling in. I've enjoyed this and I enjoy our friendship and, and cherish it. And, and uh, I think I've benefited from our conversation today and I hope you have too. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to seeing people on Sunday. Okay, Jerry, thanks a lot. And thank you for listening. Have a great week and we will see you again next week. This has been the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. You are welcome to join us at Methodist Temple in person or online. Methodist Temple is at 2109 Lincoln Avenue in Evansville, Indiana. Our traditional Sunday morning worship service is at 830 with our contemporary service at 11. Log on to our website at methodisttemple.church. We see Christ in you.